the last time I saw you was February 29th, and <laughs> it feels like a world ago. And it, uh, it was part of the 12-hour live show. I, I don't remember what hour you were on, but you were part of it. And I know that and I the asked... 6 or 7 o'clock hour, Sure, I think, that sounds that. right. Yeah. And I asked everyone tangentially related to politics, um, what do you think is going to happen in the primary? What do you think is going to happen at the, at the convention? And at that point, February 29th, 2020, it seemed like Bernie was either on his way to win the nomination or it would be a contested convention. I think you said contested convention. Yeah, it was contested or brokered. Yeah, or, something, you know, like, something that. like that. that you were not the only not one. Everyone either right. said, <laughs> no one said Biden will win outright and Bernie will drop out within a month and a half. Nope. <laughs> Things have changed. <laughs> we're dumb. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> February 20th sounds like a long time ago. It's not. It's no. currently Friday, April 10th at 3.16 p.m. Hell yeah. And it should seem like the jump from 40 days ago shouldn't be that large. But there is one thing that happened to to really make me think that maybe we all are dumb. And it's not the coronavirus. It's not COVID-19. It's not the quarantine. It's how poorly Bernie did in Florida. Did you see Where, that coming? Well, um, even though, I mean, I think a lot of the, you know, the, the hardcore Republican um, Cuban resistance, Cuban American kind of resistance mm-hmm. to the Castros has, has sort of diffused a little bit. And, you know, Cuban Americans are, you know, th- those Cuban Americans are aging. They're, they're kids uh, and and current and other Cubans who have come to to Florida and the United States have you know they have a little bit more diverse kind of party affiliation. I mean, you can't. You, that's still just one of those things that like you just can't really talk about how like the Castros did okay at anything. I mean that even you know even if it's like a nuanced view and so forth like. That there's a difference between uh, younger Cubans wanting to be able to travel back and forth to Cuba or to send money to their relatives back there, and saying the Castros had a really good uh, school system, you know, and it, it just doesn't it just doesn't work. And I think that that is that that was a real like torpedo. Uh, tor- that was torpedo one, and I think torpedo two is is like you know, there's a not insignificant number of people in Bernie's age demographic living in Florida, uh, you know, older people from New York. uh, And they're like, "Uh, I don't know, we didn't do so great with the other old guy from New York. Yeah, that's (laughs) a really interesting point. Yeah, I I just I think I'm not I'm not shocked that he didn't win. I'm shocked that he got plowed like he did yeah and i'm coming at this from a very apolitical stance of just like let's see what happens and and how it happens and that was the first time in the entire election cycle where i was like oh fuck twitter isn't the real world right right um speaking of not the real world uh you're currently working from home but you are still employed yes yes and you work in politics and Arguably, one of the best reasons to work in politics is the uh, every four years conventions. And uh, I was lucky enough to spend some time with you in Cleveland and Philadelphia four years ago. Cleveland was much more fun uh, than Philadelphia. Very surprising. Well, you know, it's more condensed. It's a smaller city. Oh, yeah. It's a. It's in in some ways, it's a it's quirkier uh, city, and and it's easier to get around. Yeah. I feel like and the food. 
Cleveland is great, yeah. but like comparatively, Philadelphia is like way better. So there's no real reason to go to Philadelphia for a convention. Like you should just go to Philadelphia to go to Philadelphia. Right. Right. Anyways, uh, you are. I know at one point you were scheduled to be in Milwaukee in July of 2020. Are you still scheduled to be in Milwaukee in August of 2020? So, so far, yes. Uh, it, it's it's uh, interesting when we were talking about uh, talking about the conventions earlier this week, you and I, uh, that that re- prompted me to uh, remember to uh, send, set up myself as the point of contact for CQ Roll Call for the periodical gallery. So I'm, I'm the guy who's making sure that people get credentialed and mm-hmm. that they pass their, you know, that we, you know, offer up background information to the Secret Service and so forth. So they're still planning you know, I, my, my organization is still planning to attend. I'm supposed to be going, uh, and you know, the conventions from the organizers standpoint and from the credentialing aspect from the secret service and the press galleries, it's still on. I, I think that it is being optimistic to think that it would, it would be like a convention that we'd see like four years ago, like like when we were hanging out. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, you know, the one of the concerns is, okay, let's say we actually do have an in-person convention for both parties. Um, there'll probably be some sort of social distancing guidelines in effect, I would, I would guess. I mean, that means that fewer people will be able to attend. I, I just think that it's, it, it's really dicey, you know, to say that we're going to just have this normal political convention. I mean, who knows? Like, like you said, on February 29th, like... <laughs> You know, I, I was my my biggest like uh, decision that day was about whether I would have the sequench uh, beer or or like you know something else uh, up, up at the uh, in the bar at Wonderland bar, Ballroom, and now it's like you know just trying to figure out is my mom okay? Is oh, yeah. everybody I know safe? Uh, is it when's the safest time to go buy some ice cream? You know yeah. that kind of thing. Once again, coming at this from an apolitical stance, uh, it seems that based on all reporting, the three groups that are taking this the most seriously, uh, one of which are Democrats, um, that makes me think that if the convention does happen in the same place in Milwaukee, there will be practice social distancing. And yeah. that's going to look really bad. Weird. I don't know how you can make that not look weird. I mean, one of the photos from yesterday that went semi-viral is uh, a few of your colleagues uh, interviewing Mitch McConnell in the halls of Congress, and it's weird. (laughs) It looks like he's being held up at gunpoint. Right. They're they're all six feet away. Tape recorders. Uh, it, yeah, it's almost like because they don't look like guns, they but they could be like Star Trek phasers. Yeah, you know, and, like, because they're and all, all like, the reporters oh. are wearing masks and the congressman is not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was a little it's, it's interesting because over in the House, you know, the, the, the House and Senate have been doing these pro forma sessions. Uh, just in case something comes up, you know, that they want to pass like, you know, a few hundred billion dollars more for small business loans, say. Um, and the, you know, so that that's necessitating somebody being there to do the proceedings and so forth. The House members who have been doing it have been wearing masks. Um, you know, Don Beyer uh, today and yesterday or uh, two couple days ago, Brad Sherman, they both had masks on. When I'm, they I should know this. Is it, I know Don Beyer is a Democrat. Is, uh, is the other yes. gentleman a Democrat? Yes, he is. Yeah, it, it's the majority party uh, who who does the um, who okay. conducts the proceedings, and so Brad Sherman uh, is a 
California Democrat, but he uh, his kids go to school here uh, in yeah. uh, on Capitol Hill, so he's available. Um, and you know, so they're wearing masks, and then you go into the Senate, and it's like, oh, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Have there been any Republican lawmakers that are willingly wearing masks for any reason whatsoever? I haven't seen them. Although, I mean, granted, like it's tough. You know, th- there aren't that many people on Capitol Hill. Sure. You know, uh, and, and like, I haven't checked in with the, um, you know, back sort of back home in the districts. Um, I mean, I, they caught on pretty quickly, uh, especially when some of their colleagues uh, were diagnosed, you know, in, in, in both parties, you know. For, uh, for sure. Like, the reason yeah, I ask Mark- is because I'm convinced that if the DNC happens as planned in August, now as planned in August, and they're social distancing, there will be masks and it will look very scary. And then within a week of that, the RNC will do this. And I would put money down that they're not social distancing. And more importantly, they are not wearing masks, which makes it seem like everything is normal, which is very comforting to most people. (laughs) Do you have any plans to cover the RNC this time? Uh, We, I am actually trading off with another editor um, the, for, for the RNC. Herb Jackson, our politics editor, will be the sort of editor on duty uh, in Charlotte if that happens. So we are planning on covering it. Okay. Um, because, I mean, for us, you know, at, at Roll Call, it's like we were there for more than just the presidential nominating. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, like these are like, you know, I mean, you, you remember from, from 2016. I mean, these are like trade shows. Oh, right? yeah, for sure. <laughs> not like, this is a political trade show. The majority yeah. of the interesting stuff has not happened on the convention floor, and it's right. definitely not happening during primetime. Weird shit happens during, on the convention floor, but it's usually like at 4 p.m. Right, right. I, uh, I and uh, But I agree. that That's a, it, again, I think that there is a, a fairly decent shot that these things get rescheduled or just canceled altogether. I mean, like mm-hmm. that would be a bummer, but it also may be the summer the you know, the smartest thing to do um, because you know, you get, if, if they do happen and you have all these people in like masks and so forth, I mean, that's just, it just looks really bad. And it's also like there, there's no, I mean, there's no reason really to have them. Well, here, here's the historical people, question you know? that I wanted to ask you that you might know about now that, Bernie's out and everyone else's campaign is suspended as well. This is Biden's nomination and stop. Isn't that correct? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So if the whole purpose is to like officially nominate someone, I don't, there's no like rule that says it has to be at a convention by a voice vote. Is there? Um, I don't, I mean, I'm not that familiar with the rules of how like, whether or not they could vote by proxy yeah. or mail in things like that. I mean, like we are seeing that this is a problem that Congress itself is, is struggling with, which is that um, there, there are constitutional issues about whether and, and institutional issues about whether they can vote by proxy and vote by distance. And so that's why they have avoided um, do, doing that, trying to, to vote remotely. Um, but the conventions I just don't know. Uh, I, I wish I did, and I think I'm going to try to find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like I understand changing the Constitution is difficult, and you really can't change the Constitution without people being there. I understand that. I don't necessarily have to agree with it. But this is an individual party issue. And right. now that the races are done and it's April, isn't the whole point of a convention at that point is to just, like, gin up enthusiasm? 
Yeah, and and that has been you know the criticism level at these conventions for for years now, which is that since the the parties sort of went to the, the primary and caucus system, uh, and the states were more became more active as opposed to the party bosses in picking the nominees. These have become basically like infomercials uh, mm-hmm. for for the for the candidates, and I I think that that when you know that Donald Trump will be the nominee. Uh, for the Republican Party, and you know that Joe Biden will be the nominee for the Democrats, do you really need to bring 50,000 people plus uh, into like Philadelphia and Charlotte so that they have, you know, a, a week full of like commercials? And this is the other thing, too, is that the, the, new, the news value is, is iffy, you know, on just covering the speeches. And you know the 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 networks don't even really pay that much mind. They they've been scaling back for years the television coverage of of these things. Now there was there's a little bit of a bump in 2016, I think, just because you had the first woman uh, who was a major nominee, and you had Trump on the Republican side. But well, also no that now. was <laughs> that was the most Russian friendly Russian screwjob week of the entire campaign. Where those was the week of the RNC and the week of the DNC. That was the week Roger Ailes died, I think. So yes. there wasn't, or was he? He didn't or was die. he deposed? Sorry. He was he didn't something. Die. Like he, that. he was, de- yeah, he was fired. Yeah, uh, from it, those were Fox, monumental yeah. news weeks because they were convention weeks. So, right. Well, I understand. In a hist- in a typical election cycle, you're like 2012, absolutely. Twenty sixteen was incredibly newsworthy. Be, maybe even more so because everyone was in i'm using the word everyone really loosely here everyone was in the same location right right and, and it's, it's not absurd to think that the same thing would have happened in 2020 for obvious reasons right right so, so uh by the by the way i i wanted to know i i had been um because i was curious what the 1920 conventions look like and mm-hmm. i'm just you know I, i'm just pulling up some photos um on, on my computer of the 1920 Democratic and Republican conventions, and you know we were we were through the worst part of the influenza outbreak mm-hmm. in in 1920, but it was still a concern, and people were still dying from it, and there was some uh, you know kind of weirdness. I'm not seeing one mask. I'm just seeing people <laughs> packed like sardines yeah, yeah, yeah. into these into these venues, and it's like woof. You know, I'd, I'd be interested to see what. <laughs> the disease vectors were like after these things. You're one of the biggest baseball fans I know. And as of right now, if there's no sports indefinitely, the, the last four major champions in the major American sports, I'm like super, super cool with like, I love that the last NFL champion right now is the chiefs and the last NBA champion is the Raptors and the blues for the NHL. And for you, the Nationals, uh, that's pretty cool. Those are four well-deserved, like, never-winner teams that are currently holding the championship belts with no incoming sports. I will get back to politics, I promise you. Uh, do you think that Major League Baseball should do this proposed um, seven-inning doubleheader, everyone quarantined in Arizona situation? Uh, I really think that it's – I would – I would almost rather they not, you know, okay. I mean, like I'm, as much as I want, as much as I want, like, you know, baseball right now, I mean, it is, it's, it's tough um, to not be watching it and, and thinking about like people who are really like at the apex of their careers right now, like Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. I mean, they're losing valuable time, kind of like Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio lost valuable time to the war. Um, 
but that just seems like weird i mean i'd rather it just you know be put on hold for a while i mean like i mean there is there isn't you know this is without precedent you know what we're going through right now and i feel like having this sort of strange situation with the double headers and like reduced inning counts and so forth is just it's just too bizarre you know um and and would i think people would question like records and so forth it, it's just i think i eh. I'm going to take the opposite point of view on that because I actually believe the exact opposite thing of what you're saying. And the last uh, World Series champion was the Washington Nationals. But in my head, the champion before them is the Chicago Cubs because the Houston Astros blatantly cheated. Cheated. And then (laughs) Boston Red Sox pretty much blatantly cheated for the exact same reason. So it goes Cubs, then Nats. If two of the last four World Series champions have already cheated to win, which, once again, a huge wrestling fan, I'm cool with, uh, how is a seven-inning situation worse? If anything, it's better. Like, everyone knows the rules going in, and in theory, once things are back to normal, be it June, July, August, they could go back to stadiums, play the nine innings, and here's what's lovely about it. It's a true distraction, from reality and yes the games will be weird and the players will be sitting in the stands instead of the dugout but of the four major sports it's the easiest to return due to contact and it's a sport for nerds right and it's a sport for stats and you still get those stats and there'll be it'll be such a fun odd statistical season (laughs) that it will scratch the itch of everyone that reads 538 just for the baseball yeah, that's. I mean, you bring up a really good point, and, and like I, I know, I'm fascinated by like the '81 strike shortened uh, season. You know how like they had like, uh, you know, a, a split season, and so you had two different division winners in some cases. <laughs> you know, and and how the Expos got kind of screwed out of that, out of the, out of a, like a more legitimate shot at, at the playoffs. I don't know. I so you bring up a good point. I I mean, I'd watch it regardless of what. That's happens. the thing. If they, it's the yeah, only if, do, if it's I the only competition it. and so many more eyes will be watching this thing and i know it's not good no one wants this but if you're able to convince people that baseball shouldn't exist during this i think it's super easy to convince those same people elections shouldn't exist because of this yeah yeah i mean speaking of of which i mean just i i'm still sort of trying to come to grips with what happened in wisconsin which i think a lot of people are um you know this this last week where Mm -hmm. You know, the governor wanted to postpone the election, the legislature, which is, you know, controlled by uh, opposite party, the Republicans, said they weren't interested. The courts got involved and, you know, people had to choose between like putting themselves at risk or or not voting. And I don't know, it's just this like we, we're we got to figure this out like soon about procedures. Counterpoint, like, how people- we don't. We don't well, figure anything out, and yeah, I'm not I mean, joking. That, and when an election is delayed a year, yeah, I think I mean talk about setting a, a very bad precedent, though. Don't I mean, like that's. I don't uh, want that to happen. I'm just yeah. saying it's not off the table right now. Right. Well, and you know that would, to me, the the issue there too is that it would further delegitimize, you know, government, democratic representative government. Yeah, of uh, course. But once again, not off the table. Right. <laughs> can we get back? Can we talk about sports more? Yeah, yeah. Did I ever tell you my favorite? This is how my brain. I think I've told you my favorite theory of uh, Bud Selig and how Bud Selig is not entirely responsible, but definitely partially responsible for nine eleven. I don't. 
I don't think so. All right, this is a 20-plus year story. Here we go. In the early 90s, <laughs> uh, George W. Bush wanted one job. It was his dream job, and that was to be the commissioner of Major League Baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know who was the temporary commissioner of Major League Baseball that ended up being the commissioner for Major League Baseball for more than 10 years whilst owning the Milwaukee Brewers? <laughs> that same Bud Bud Selig. <laughs> okay, because... George W. Bush was not able to follow his dream of becoming Major League Baseball commissioner. He decided to go into politics. I don't know if you know this. He did quite well for himself. He was the governor, <laughs> yes. and then he became the president, and now he's a painter that goes on Ellen's show. doesn't matter. <laughs> the point is this. George W. Bush, he's the guy you want to get, get along with. He's the kind of guy that you want to get a beer with. Because of that, I think he would have been able to negotiate contracts between the players and the owners and prevented the players' strike. Uh, was it 94? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know if you know this. Who was in first place in 94 when that happened? Yeah, the Expos. The Montreal Expos. The The Montreal Expos. uh, It's not crazy to say if your team is in first place by a wide margin that late in the season, you're probably going to make the playoffs if not make a run for the championship. They let's say that the Expos win the World Series. Now the Washington Nationals never come from Montreal. They stay in Montreal. They stay the the Montreal Expos. George W. Bush never becomes president. Al Gore becomes president in 2000. And therefore, in 2004, Donald Trump becomes president because of the success of The Apprentice. Barack Obama never happens, but that's okay. (laughs) Because 9-11 didn't happen either, and we're not in endless wars forever because of a family feud. That's my long-form theory that Bud Selig is partially responsible for 9-11. It's you're it's missing one component though. I'm uh, waiting. And that's and that's Jesse the body Ventura. Oh, Ventura <laughs> could not have been a spoiler in the 2000 election because uh, I don't know if you know this. George H. W. Bush was friends with a Texas promoter. He wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have played the role of spoiler. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he was he was a he was governor of Minnesota at the time, yeah. uh, but I I don't think it would have been out of the question for him to be a, a vice presidential pick for for say Trump. Uh, at that point. Hey, 2020, <laughs> man, why not? Bring Jesse back. <laughs> By the way, I I mean, I, I know we're getting far afield from the conventions, but it doesn't like matter. The, the one one of the um one of the one of the things that I've really like, you know, kind of taken to that I mean, it's it is this sort of silver lining is that you know, because of the lack of live sports, um the, you know, the 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 different sport networks like nba mm-hmm. tv and mlb have been replaying you know like the best games of the of the last you know few years and you know they're starting to run a little short like the, you, you can't always have a 1984 game seven in Boston oh sure Garden, sure sure right <laughs> but like some of the other like um some of the other games that they're showing are are ones i don't remember or i didn't see the first time around but they're actually really good games you know like there there was a game three a 2003 NLDS game three between the Marlins and the Giants back when Bonds was about ready to pop out of his yeah, 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 yeah. helmet, you know, and, and the Marlins were just such a, like a weird team. You know, they had a 20 year old Miguel Cabrera and yeah. Jeff Conine. And it was just this like ragtag group, you know, that got, of course, disemboweled after they won the world series that year uh, by their terrible editor or terrible uh owner uh but like i'm just like wow this is an amazing game like pudge rodriguez was on the on the uh the marlins and so now we're getting into like some truly obscure like good games and i'm like 
I never even thought about this game. I'm glad I'm watching it right now. So I've been, I can't go down that rabbit hole. Like the first, on opening day, I don't know if you know this, but like MLB TV and like, I want to say like TBS and a few of the other people that normally show baseball games, even the YouTube channels, like they had a whole day mapped out of like certain games for it was pretty much everyone. So it was like Mark Burley's perfect game. It was game seven, the 2016 World Series, last game of last year's World Series, et cetera, like throughout the entire day. So my wife and I watched the Cubs victory and it was like, I was not just as tense, but like very stressed out in a good way <laughs> during that game. The exact same night, uh, Comcast Chicago Sports was showing um, games uh, seven, like a uh, Chicago Blackhawks 2015 Stanley Cup victory. Like you're gonna run out, and right. the only reason why I cared about any of these games is because the whole local aspect of it. But you're finding joy in watching teams that you really have no vested interest in. Oh, totally, totally. You know, there there was another one like a couple, <clears throat> maybe last week or something like that, and it was the New Jersey Nets uh, playing uh, against the Indiana Pacers. It was like a triple overtime game five first round of the playoffs in 2002 or 2003. And like Kenyon Martin was like the star for the, for the Nets along with Jason Kidd. And it was like Reggie Miller's like one of his last seasons. And it was just a fantastic game. And I, I don't like either one of those teams. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, just watching it was like awesome. Um, and I just, I had, a, I was just thrilled with it. And, and like, you know, I mentioned that 1984 game seven Lakers, uh, Celtics in the, in the garden. And it's just amazing to see like what, how different people look, not just oh, like, yeah. athletes. I mean, like, you know, like Larry Bird was basically like a pudgy tall white guy, you know, <laughs> and, and he was just phenomenal. He was just this phenomenal player. I was but watching. The people in this, People in the stands are look weird too now. They look like regular people. <laughs> I was watching the 1993 uh, home run derby. That was the year the uh, the All Star game was at Camden, and <laughs> it was just on YouTube. And uh, th- yeah, it's super obvious that like, oh, this is for quote unquote normal people. And all I could think about is the class divide now of going to any game. Yeah. It doesn't matter what team it. That's a lie. Maybe a Marlins game because I did go to a Marlins game last year, and like you could be. You could get like a front row ticket for like $10, but they're the exception to the rule. And <laughs> like I went to a Bulls uh, Wizards game earlier this year and the ticket that we bought like on face should have been like a hundred and something dollars. We got on stuff up for like a nickel, so it didn't really matter. But the point is even games with like two teams battling for 10th place, it's absurdly expensive. And with what's going on now, I feel like I didn't know we were going to go down this route, but like the class war is coming, right? Like <laughs> if 10% of the population is getting laid off every other day, it seems this is going to end, right? Or am I crazy? Um, I don't know because, you know, one of the things that, you know, like the, the president keeps reminding us is the stock market is doing great. You know, never mind all that, that pile of dead bodies, you know, like, you know, in the, in the corner there, but the, you know, the Dow Jones industrial average is, is you know doing awesome and you know i i I think the class divide is is still going to be there and the thing that is that worries me is that because you know we're seeing like higher rates of like infection for Mm african-americans and and poor people like it it's it's i mean if we think the opioid epidemic you know was devastating to those communities um you know this is like just taking a you know a, a buzz saw through them and I, you know, it's hard to organize a, a class war if like everybody's, 
you know, dead, injured, hurt, or just struggling to stay alive. So, I, I mean, that's a very pessimistic, you know, viewpoint. But, like, I, I just think that the what's more likely is that we everybody gets um, sort of leveraged downward, you know, like. Uh, oh, sure, know, sure, sure. You know, major league athletes are not going to be making the kind of money that they made, you know, before because they don't they don't really have audiences anymore. You know, like they don't have a, a wide, you know, wider array of people because eventually this will hit the you know, upper classes, but it's, you know, it's, it's disproportionately hitting people who, you know, work in, you know, for hourly wages. And I don't think think that's going to change anytime soon. Do you have any plans to attend anything in a stadium in 2020 at this point? Um, so, you know, my, you know, my, my wife and I have season tickets for the nationals. Um, and we talked about that, how like, you know, what will it be like when they say it's okay to go to the ballpark? Um, I mean, that would be the one that I would go to. Um, but it is nerve wracking. It, it makes me tense just thinking about it, you know, because so much of that is like how crowded something is. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, how, like you, you mentioned the Marlins, there would be no problem social distancing <laughs> <laughs> at so, Marlins park in the middle of a good year. Yeah. The only two um, teams that are safe from this are the Tampa Bay Rays and the Florida Marlins. Those are the only yes. two, sorry, Miami Marlins. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, I, I, uh, and I, I feel, you know, bad for the people who are really into those teams, you know, like a few years ago, 2017, I think, or 20, no, 2018. I went to St. Petersburg and, and went to a, a couple of Rays games. Uh, the Rays are Friday good. Night. Yeah, they're good. They're good. And and like it was a Friday night, and there were like we talked to this. Uh, I went with these friends, and one of them is friends with somebody who works in the front office of the of the Rays. Uh, and he says, "Yeah, you know, we've got about nine thousand people or nine thousand tickets sold, and Ugh. there's like, you know, probably five thousand people here tonight on a Friday night." Really quick, what do you know the the average? Not the average, but the uh, capacity is probably like what forty or thirty five k. It's it, it is. I think it is a little bit higher than that. But then they've also taken out seats. You know, they've talked yeah. them over, um, and some of the. I think some of the, I mean, it's an older stadium, so it's a little strange, you know, it was built, you know, mm-hmm. in the, in the 80s, I think, 80s or 90s when they were trying to steal like the San Francisco Giants. And they're, the first and, team they were trying to get with the White Sox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it didn't work and they just left the stadium, you know, sort of to lay fallow until the 90s when, when the Rays came uh, into being as a, as a friend, as a new franchise. Um, and so it's a little, it's, just designed differently, but they've tarped over parts of like the outfield and so forth. And they've installed different, you know, kind of restaurants and viewing areas. Like they actually have uh, a pool in the yeah. things in right field where they have like stingrays, which is awesome. <laughs> I'm convinced that people are just going to be afraid and it's very difficult to blame them. And it might take a year and hopefully it doesn't, but. I have nothing good to say at the end of this. Uh, unfortunately, I will not be seeing you in Milwaukee. Uh, I was going to be there, and now I'm clearly not going to be there. And uh, oh well, 